0: Hello there, and welcome to Gooner You. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Premier League match number 20 at Everton's Goodison Park. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Feeling all right this evening? Yeah, this, this weekend there was a match, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can- I'm still can in a little bit of denial about it. <laughs> can confirm there was a match,
1: Arsenal was involved, <laughs> and Yeah. <laughs>
0: So uh, before we get into the Everton match, uh, let's talk about some news for the week. Uh, We saw a new face on the pitch during this week's match. Can you tell me about Jorginho?
1: Yeah. So uh, we we talked last time about Moises Caicedo, who apparently Brighton was very clearly not going to sell. uh, And we never, I guess, Mm. came close to their valuation, which is hard to tell if they had a real valuation or were dead set on not selling him which i think we talked a little about that it's defensible on everyone's part but what was kind of interesting was how close to the end of the window that was and so yeah we we spoke when monday and the, the it seemed like the the Casado thing was done the window closed on tuesday and arsenal had very quickly signed for a, a much sh- smaller price uh jorginho who in spite of the name is is was only born in brazil but he is actually italian uh <laughs> you know dedicated watchers will know he plays for the Italian national team actually won the European Championships with them in summer of 20 uh 21 Ooh, Um cool. yeah he um he's a defensive midfielder he's played at Chelsea for several years has won I think he won a title or two with them Um No sorry he won the he's uh, has won the Europa League and the Champions League with them he has not won the, the Premier League but certainly you know has had oh, success okay. over his career uh, he's a defensive midfielder, and he he's going to be sold more or less as a replacement or not a replacement. I'm sorry, a a backup for Thomas Partey. But some of what I've seen suggests. Well, first off, you can't really replace Thomas Partey. What he does is so <laughs> is, is so is unique in the league. I, to, what he's asked to do in Arteta's system, there really there really just aren't people who can do that. And so it seems like the the sense was Jorginho will really act almost. He really is more like a replacement for Mohamed El neni and that when Party would ah, come out, okay. we put in El Neni, That would change the way we would play. They would change the shape of the midfield, and so it, yeah, I think the idea is because you're not going to ask Jorginho to come in and be Thomas Party. That's not his game, and he's a veteran player. He's yeah. he, he's 31, so he's freaking ancient for this team. Said not being self conscious yeah. of my own age at all, but. <laughs> um but yeah he'll he'll come in and presumably play a little bit more like el nini and so sort of uh, look a little bit i think what was i think the first game at united we played without party and el nini was playing it was not it's not terrible but it's definitely a different kind of game but certainly should be enough for get us to win get us to win enough games especially since party's health seems to be a, a bit of a question at this point oh is it i hadn't heard that well there was a story out uh that he was in doubt for the everton game I guess they said a rib hmm. injury, which I think is what he had picked up in the the City game. Uh, he started, oh. obviously, he would talk about this. He started the game, yeah. but you notice yeah. he came off after about 60 minutes, uh, which I'm sure yeah. was partly tied to a little bit of, you know, get Jorginho on the field. Like nobody, we were watching, nobody was surprised when Jorginho came in. Right. Because um, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what, what you want to do. Yeah, but I think there's yeah. also a sense of, I mean... We're about to have a week of three games in eight days. We're gonna play Brentford, and then we have the City game next Wednesday, and then we'll yeah. have um, another game on the weekend. Who I've forgotten who it is because I don't remember what happens after City. That's kind of it's got a looming large <laughs> there. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, so it, I'm sure there's a little bit of rotation going on there because you want to watch, you want to be careful with party. But I know there's a sense there. Maybe they're worried he's not quite a hundred percent. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Okay. Now, I noticed you caught yourself. First, you said he was a replacement for Party, and then you said, well, a backup, but you didn't correct yourself when you said he's a replacement for Elneny. Neni. Like, what's the age difference between him and El well, Neni?
1: Uh, well, he's not a replacement in the sense that, like, we're le- El Neni's leaving and, you know, it'll be Georgina yeah. for the next couple of years. He's a repl- I mean, really, the. They haven't confirmed this necessarily, but apparently El is a well. The only thing they've confirmed is El had a serious injury in training, and the, the sort of the scuttlebutt sense is that he is probably done for the season. Oh, okay. So, so in a sense, we he is replacing El because El will yeah, it seems likely for the season not play. Least. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. I and so and and a replacement also in the sense of. You would put him on, and he would do the things that El Nenny does, as opposed to like he can't okay. really replace. You can't, like I said, you can't replace Thomas Party. He's in, and again, Party is still playing yeah. for now. Knocks furiously on my, my wooden table. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Party is still playing for now, so um, yeah, that's okay. In that sense, so, yeah, so that was that was all so, that right. Was.
0: So. Yeah, so relative to party, he's like a drop in for his slot on the roster. Whereas, as as it pertains to El Neni, he actually is replacing the way that he plays when when he gets called in. You're saying okay. that's the general sense I've gotten, or the,
1: from yeah. people okay. people people whose opinions about the people who know what they're talking about that seems to be what I, I've heard them saying. So um, certainly yeah. he is not he is not going to come in and replace uh, replace party as a, as in terms of style. He he does not do that. sure. He still, still is a solid okay. defensive midfielder. Um, you know Chelsea got money for a guy who was kind of on the outs with them. Which okay, fine, whatever. They also spent like a hundred million euros in in the last <laughs> month in the transfer window. So, I guess they need to make that back yeah. somehow.
0: Uh, All right. Well, speaking of throwing money around, I hear you have something else to talk about as far as news goes.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, there were charges. We as, as I'm sure our dedicated listeners know, we record on Mondays uh, earlier this morning, American time. Um, and I guess presumably, I don't know, midday or perhaps even the morning uh, in, in Europe, Manchester city was charged with multiple breaches of financial fair play by the premier league. Um, I'm not going to go into the details cause I'm still sort of trying to figure out what they all are, but basically over the course of nine seasons between 2000, the 2009, 10, and the 2017-18 season, uh, City is being charged with a number of instances of essentially not being completely truthful with the league about their their financial information and their financial position. Uh, some of that includes oh. uh, payments and remunerations given to players. Uh, presumably, it's tied into financial fair play, which is, and we've talked about, and you and I have talked about this before, that it's it's. It's not a salary cap, but it's trying to function in terms of maintaining a certain. Uh, basically, the idea is you can't just show up and spend you with just a bunch of money and spend all you want. You have to be able to balance right your ability to pe- spend with your ability to cover that. And by being dishonest with their with what their what the information they're giving to the league, city would be in violation of that. Um, again, that's the accusation. Uh, there are also accusations that when the the Premier League started investigating this, I think they said back in twenty eighteen. That since then, city has um has obstructed the investigation.
0: Yeah, so I'm guessing this involves the league sending auditors to go over their books, that kind of thing.
1: Um, you know, that's, now that's we're the getting investigation.
0: Now, I, I think
1: I, I imagine that's part of it. I, I now
0: we're getting into the details.
1: That I don't quite know. Um, but certainly, yeah. Yeah, the, as, as all the clubs are required to report financial information to the league. To make sure they're in compliance with all sorts of rules and regulations, that the league has an accurate uh, picture of their financial status. I mean, all you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, the accusation, of course, is that they didn't do that. Presumably, not detailing all of their expenses. I mean, you know, and we've talked about this in other contexts. I think they one of the reason one of the the stated concerns of things like financial fair play is a case like Leeds where you have a club that completely outspends its means and all but goes bankrupt. Um uh, now City because of their ownership group is not in danger of going bankrupt, but right. there is a concern that because of the financial resources they have available to them uh that they will spend be able to spend well beyond what what theoretically should be their means in terms of the money they generate.
0: Right, which is what makes it unfair play right
1: yeah and that, at least as as it's being defined there now you i mean you know you can mm-hmm. certainly make an argument on some level that you know if cities' books balance out and the, you know they're not i mean if they're not really going to go bankrupt on some level who cares like it, you know, there is there is a counter argument yeah. it's not entirely unfair that what it does is it freezes the sort of the league in place in terms of who's good so like, it's very difficult for a It's very difficult for a team to break into that upper echelon. Like Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool have been big clubs for a century. I mean, they've been they have been top teams in the league for a very long time, which is partly why they have massive global fan bases. Which is why they have you know they sell they sell jerseys all over the world. Like that's why they they have all that money. Um, And so you know if you're someone like Manchester City, yeah, I mean if you've got somebody who's really rich and shows up, why on some level you almost say why shouldn't he be able to spend all that money now? Is it really fair that they're a they're essentially owned by a sovereign nation one that sits on a whole bunch of oil and has yeah. more money than they know <laughs> what to do with I mean that's you know that's and Newcastle's gonna kind of go through the same thing so i you know the real interesting question will be is what ends up happening as a result of this now the, the there are a number of penalties available to the league these include um they could be fines. Point deductions, or even if they feel they're serious enough, they could even be relegated from the Premier League. Oh wow! Now that's that's that the extent serious, of those. Yeah, yeah um, I was listening to I was listening earlier today to to the Ars Cast, and they said, you know, City of course have lawyers, and none of these lawyers are Lionel Huts. Uh, they 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 have very good <laughs> lawyers, and so the chances of this being resolved before the end of the season feels highly unlikely. So, yeah. you know, there's a sense you look at that and, and you could sort of say, like, you know, wow, if they get points deducted, um, you know, that could mean Arsenal could win the title. You know, if you lose the game, that seems unlikely to happen. I have – I really – I I strongly I, – I, mm-hmm. I I certainly – I have z- I have zero expectation they would be relegated from the league. Uh, I am – right. I, I would not be surprised if they're fined, although – a few years ago, I want to say it was right before COVID, but maybe maybe it wasn't. Uh, City was charged with, um, yeah, okay, so was, yeah, they were charged in tw- March 2019 by by UEFA, and they were suspended from club from competitions like the Champions League because of their uh, they were found guilty of vi- uh, serious breaches of financial fair play. They appealed that to a European uh, court called the Court of Arbitration for Sport, who eventually in July 2020 overturned that, and so they never had to miss anything. Um, mm. so it'll be very
0: curious to see how this plays out. Well, yeah, so you talk about them being charged and they have lawyers to defend themselves. What is the recourse in in which court does this play out who ultimately decides whether the premier league is right or whether they're right so uh, now you're
1: getting now we're getting into the vagaries of the premier league itself and this this is where it gets dicey for me certainly a lot of this is within the league itself um i could certainly tell you in america that it could reach a certain point where you would you know you could see a team suing the league now that's that would be highly unlikely because the way american sports leagues are run as franchises of, yeah. a, of a of a single organization, the Premier League is very similar to that, but not the same thing. And then, of course, British law surrounding these things is different. So, I, okay. I, essentially, they're as I understand they're appealing within the league at or in the league, and there is apparently an uh, there's I guess there will be an independent commission. Um. So I don't. I the short answer is I don't know. Um, okay but yeah it's it'll be very interesting well, yeah, we'll, and it's a we'll kind of to,
0: yeah, yeah yeah no well uh, i guess we'll find out as uh, as news trickles out as we see mm. what happens yeah so we'll we'll see
1: where they where they're able to take it so
0: yeah cool all right well let's get to the everton match uh so this is their 20th match of a season February 4th I I watched it time shifted onto the next day because it was USA Network and I had no choice and it turned out to be a really late night for me so I was watching this like actually technically very early this morning on the 6th Um, final score Everton won Arsenal, nil. Nice. Um it, it is kind of funny going into this match. They were talking about how this was going to be Dyche's first match with Everton. And I, I had, I don't know if it was, I don't know if you'd call it an intuition or just a, a doubt or fear, but I was like, you know, I could see this going Badly, like we talked about how, yeah, they're 19th in the league, but I could see them <laughs> getting shaken up and having something to prove to their new manager. And, uh, you know, I wasn't watching with anyone to whom I was able to verbalize <laughs> this feeling, but I did kind of have a slight feeling of apprehension going into this one. And then the match started in the first few minutes. Arsenal was as dominant as ever. And arguably throughout the entire match, <laughs> they were dominant, certainly by the the possession ratio they were, but where where to start with this thing? Yeah, um, well, start so, something uh, innocuous. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so I mean, I, th- I I mean your 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 intuition,
1: I think, was broadly shared by a lot of Arsenal people, and there's a couple reasons for that. The first is that, I mean, Everton is not a good team. They barely they barely avoided relegation last year. Their roster isn't very good. They have some talented players. You saw there's some pretty good players on that team um but their manager frank lampard was not good he's he's been a couple yeah. he's one or two stops in the premier league it has not gone well for him he's he was a great player for for chelsea for a number of years um actually i saw him play for about a year and a half with new york city he he was over here with in mls for for huh. a year and a half um i mean he was a very good player in his prime he's trying to go into management and it's it's not going very well i you know is that is he just young and needs some time to grow into a job and get more experience, or is he just not very good at it? Who knows? But yeah, Everton was been not good, and he was replaced by Sean Dyche. Um, yeah. Now, y- y- you'll run across this. They'll, they'll call it the new manager bounce. Yep. So a yeah, phrase you heard, I'm sure, quite a bit.
0: Yep. Repeatedly. Yep. Yeah. So (laughs) after the goal was scored. (laughs) Right.
1: So so what happens? And and you'll hear this, by the way, I hear this, by the way, in American sports, too. So typically what happens when a team fires a coach and brings in a new guy, you see them perform a little bit better. They'll tend to run off a couple wins early on. People say, ah, the coach was the problem. What's likely going on? And there are people who have done studies on this sort of thing. What generally is happening is that when you're in a position where your coach or your manager gets fired, You're a not good team to begin with, but then you hit a particularly bad run of luck. Like you just, I mean, you have, you lose some close games, plus you'll lose the games you're not even in because you aren't any good. And at that point, the the situation just gets untenable and you have to fire the manager. What ends up happening Mm. isn't so much that the new manager does anything that different. It's just, in some cases, you get a few bounces to go your way. You start playing to your talent level, which is like, okay, you're not a good team, but you're not a lose 10 games in a row, bad team, you know? <laughs> right. And so there, there's a little bit of that. And what you wind up with, the interesting question is, is it the manager who's making a difference or is it, you know, just luck shifting? And you'll see that they'll, um sometimes it is the manager. Sometimes you have a bad manager and things are, things are not working and you have to replace him with somebody who's actually knows what they're doing, which is a little bit what go what's going on here. I mean, Sean Dyche, for all the things that people say about him and the way his teams play, he has a very defined style of play, he knows how to communicate it to his players, and they know how, and, they, and they're comfortable executing it in the field as it's happening. And you, you saw that, Everton yeah. looked pretty, um, Everton looked pretty, looked uh, pretty comfortable doing what he, It's not like asking them to do anything complicated, but they looked pretty comfortable uh, fulfilling the things he was asking them to do. Um, yeah. You will also see what's sometimes called, and I've, you hear this in economics, too, a term called the dead cat bounce.
0: <laughs> no, a I less haven't that. So. Okay, so the, I- <laughs> yeah.
1: the idea is basically, again, and I apologize to the cat lovers out there, but um, <laughs> basically the idea is if you were to take, to continue the metaphor, a dead cat and drop it on the floor, right. it will bounce. Not because it's Uh alive, but because anything that hits the floor will will bounce a little bit based on velocity and whatnot. And the idea is that you're always going to you're likely to see a bit of a bump with a new manager. The question is is it you know is it just a team in a bad run of form who is actually capable, or are they actually a dead cat? Are they actually just still bad and Uh they get a couple good results and then fall to their level? Everton is still very much. In the relegation uh, chase, they are vi- they are still in serious danger. Even though we're about only halfway through the season, they're still very much in the conversation for going down uh, at the end of the year, which would be a disaster for them on a number of levels. Um, sure, but y- y- yeah, um, so yeah, and dice came in, and and I'll throw some other things in here too. There were there were a lot of kind of you know kind of iffy things about this game. I mean. Everton's down at the bottom of the league. Look at the last couple of games we've played. City in the cup, United, the North London derby, Newcastle. Huge games, all in prime yeah. time like, you know, Saturday and Sunday nights. So, you know, full, you know, full houses. Flip this around. A bad team, new manager. <laughs> You saw at some points probably in the broadcast, the stadium was partly empty. There was a big protest to their fans before the game because Everton's been really poorly run for a couple
0: of years. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see – I didn't notice the empty section. I didn't hear about the protest except there was that plane mm-hmm. flying overhead, dragging a message saying to fire the man, the owner, I guess, or something. Yeah, the, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, the <laughs> yeah, owner. Uh, <laughs> the wor- what is it? Worst yeah. owners in football is something like yeah, that. Yeah, they right. Are, <laughs> yeah, they're, I mean, and and Everton, Everton, as we said, is one of the great old clubs. They, um, you know, their their record would look would look a lot better, except for the fact that their their arch rival and city and city partner is Liverpool, who's one of the, like the most right. decorated team in in the in the history of English football. So they sort right. of suffer a little bit comparison, but they're a great old club. They have a, a you know a a cozy park which gets really loud. They have really dedicated hardcore fans. Um. So, yeah, that, you know, and the new manager, it's middle of the day on a Saturday. Like, it's natural in some ways to have a bit of a, from Arsenal's perspective, to have a little bit of a letdown. And and Arteta pointed this out post game, you know, from here on out, because of where we are, we're going to get everybody's best shot. Yeah. And as you get later in the season, you know, we saw this from Everton today. But if you start looking at our schedule, you know, towards the end of the year, um you know we are we close the season with with nottingham forest and wolves i mean okay neither of them's that good but what what if they're in a what if they're in a relegations fight you know it's not like it's the middle of december uh. where you're going through the motions on a long season i i say forest and wolves both of them are i well forest is actually doing okay at the moment uh that just looking at the table wolves is a uh, is a point is two points ahead of is in fifteenth, but they're two points ahead of Everton, who's eighteen. So Wolves, I mean Wolves, could be fighting for their survival, right? Which you know is a very different kind of game uh, for you to play. So,
0: yeah, there's, right. there's Versus a lot of those fighting things. for the top spot in the league. Yeah,
1: yeah. So there's a lot of sort of things kind of kind of going. Well, really, what you want is a team that's middle bottom, like we played Everton on the last day of last season. The week before, they had a, staged a dramatic rally to clinch staying up. They had just avoided relegation, so they had partied all week, and so you knew they weren't. <laughs> I mean, Arsenal Arsenal walked over them like you knew Everton wasn't gonna get wasn't didn't have anything in the tank, and so you know it. Yeah, so yeah, it was. Yeah. You, you get those games too, but also you know if you get a team that's fighting for its survival, you know some of these games we have we have to play. I mean, we have to play everybody. The only team we've, the only teams we've played twice at this point are are Tottenham and, and United. So we still have to play everybody a sec, everybody right. else a second time. Um, yeah. And you know, some and some well, of those yeah. are going to be, yeah. Some of those are going to be tough because they're they're at the top of the table with us. Some of those are going to be tough because they're at the bottom and they're struggling. So you know, and everybody's going to give you your best shot because you're the you're you're the you're right you're a top right now. You're the guy,
0: and so right, we're the ones to beat. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's going to start Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a fun one.
1: Oh, we should add, because I know you mentioned this as well. Um, Yeah, we haven't actually won at Goodison Park in like five years.
0: Well, yeah, so... Right. As as I was piecing together the possible factors that and and aided by things the the commentators were pointing out throughout the match. But, yeah, so the the new manager bounce is one potential partial explanation for what happened yesterday or for me yesterday on on Saturday. Um, And then, yeah, our our track record at Goodison is, is another factor. And I guess I really wanted if if we have time either now or later to bring that up as more of a a scientific discussion of a phenomenon that does appear to be a real thing which is why do you have sometimes poor track records at particular <laughs> venues <laughs> and i know we've talked before about with liverpool when we play them how it's just the play like playing the song and singing the song that you know you'll never walk alone that that's yeah. that's a big thing they're just a very loud crowd and it definitely seemed to goodison like they were very raucous like oh, yeah they good were supporters of of everton yeah um but what else what else is it like besides the fans what what else contributes Uh, to a particular stadium being tough for you
1: uh you know it it could just be i mean there's there's always anytime you talk about numbers in sports there's always the the argument of a small sample size you know we play at everton Mm -hmm. once a season i mean it could just be some bad luck I mean, you know, you play that mm. game different. You play this game differently. We could have easily won that game two 0 Everton could have easily won the game three 0 I mean, there's a lot of different ways. You know yeah. with, with so few goals, there's a lot of different ways games can play out. And so, as a result, there's sort of a lot of different ways. You know, there's just, and and because there's so few goals, goal. You know, a goal makes such a big difference. You know, if if we get an early goal, say take, we had some of those chances that went over the bar or soccer shot was saved off the line. What if one of those goes in? Well, all of a sudden it's 1-0 in Arsenal and Everton's chasing us. And so that's, it changes the game yeah. a lot. Um, I mean, just, just to point out, I mean, the same weekend on Sunday, at Manchester City lost to Tottenham at, you know, in, in, in Tottenham. And they haven't beaten Spurs in, in five years at Tottenham. Huh? And, and it, and what's yeah. curious about that is, it is, I mean, City has been much better than Tottenham every one of those years. We've been much better than Everton. It, even, even, even the years we weren't very good, Everton has not been good the last five years. And yet, you know, it, it, it could be a mental thing, too. Like, it's just... hmm. Yeah, if you just, you know, yeah, it's, it gets that. in your head. Yeah. It gets in your head. You're like, oh, we're going there again. Oh, and then something goes wrong. Oh, no, it's happening again.
0: And that's, you know. Uh-huh. Sports are weird. Yeah. I, yeah, I could see that, yeah. So you want to do a little bit of a blow by blow and talk about some of the finer points of the match?
1: Yeah, we can do that. I, I um, anything, anything. I mean, Everton is, I guess, the last first team for you to see in the league. We've seen everybody else, so this is the first time you've seen Everton. So, well, thoughts?
0: Right. I guess there's an asterisk alongside Manchester City because we haven't played them in the league.
1: Oh, yet. that's true. Right. We but haven't. Yeah. That's true. We haven't seen them in the league yet. Yeah, that's right.
0: So I've seen them play well, against right. Arsenal, but it's it wasn't a proper match. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Our, our hearts were warmed, is in it? Like we talked about. Um, but yeah, so uh, what? What are my thoughts about Everton in particular? Or the, oh, just a, the any league? anything? You know,
1: we sort of talked about a little. We started of talked a little bit with Goodison and whatnot. But just you know, having a having seen them play Everton or the or the game in general.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't have any particular thoughts about Everton. I, I could tell some of the ways that they were playing; they were doing some of the things that we've talked about with other clubs, where they'll maybe be a little bit more physically aggressive to try and make up for uh, not ha- not having the quite the same level of capability on the field, right? Um, especially, I can't remember the name of the player, but the the guy who was uh, guarding Saka all night. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty, pretty physical with him and it led to some problems for Sokka at some points where, and, you know, he's Sokka, so he doesn't get all the fouls called in his favor that should be. <laughs> but Well, yes, um, as,
1: as a, we've talked to you, we've talked you well on that point
0: well yeah i i've I've seen it yeah, it's it's something that I think I even saw it in the World Cup when he was playing. It's just he gets fouled and nothing happens a lot of the time right. or there was another case where he he should have been awarded a corner kick i, I think it was it was him there there's one very clear case that should have been a corner kick that wasn't called, and that's happened to us a few consecutive games as i recall but um no, like you said they they had some strong players. It felt like we just weren't in top form either. I mean, there, there was a bunch of close calls that I felt should have <laughs> should have scared us into playing better and and didn't. I mean, when when they ended up scoring on that corner kick, that was at least the third, maybe even the fourth or more time that they had done that exact same corner kick. And it was really close to going in the other times. And we hadn't yet figured out how to counter it. And it ended up sinking the game for us, which was very disappointing.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't think, and, and I will say, I don't think it's necessarily us countering that. I mean, it, Everton's ever Everton, you know, and, and this is partly a dice thing. I mean, they're, you know, they're very strong on corners. He'll, his teams play a much more physical game. He was the manager for a number of years at Burnley and Burnley was one of those games, you know, you see them on schedule and you're just like, Oh, this is going to be rough. Cause they were a rough and tumble team. And that was, cause again, that's mm-hmm. getting the most of the players they had, which, you know, was, wasn't much. Although a couple, there are a <laughs> couple of, a uh, couple of Burnley players are on, um, or on Everton, uh, Tarkowski, the goal scorer was at Burnley for years. And so I, he, he scored and I was kind of like, of course he, did. of course it was him of all. <laughs> um, I mean, right. at least it wasn't Neil Malpe, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, oh yeah there. yeah
0: absolutely we'll ta- we'll de- <laughs> we'll definitely talk about him um
1: yeah there there's uh they're um I, yeah they they took advantage of those opportunities, and you're right, yeah, in the se- in the first half we had a number of really poor chances, and we were kind of talking I was talking to the people we were watching the game with was like if you're arteta like you know, because arteta generally tends to be very positive and like his post match comments were very positive. Uh, towards the team he talked about I, I love my players I love my team I love them more now than I did three hours ago and he's clearly trying to build them <laughs> up and and like you know keep their comments high but you know part of me wonders like the way they're playing you know and he's got his pulse on the team he knows where they are but there are some of those games where you really do need to just walk in the locker room and they call it the hairdryer just just <laughs> rage at them you know give them that like the kind of angry pep talk fans would always want to give sometimes they need that I don't I I clearly that's not his sense of what they need. Um and it could also well simple be, you know, having seen the the, the documentary from last season, you know, these guys these guys are super competitive. I mean, if you walk into the locker room and you know, you're you're about to go off on them and you see them in there like being angry at themselves, okay, maybe you back off from that. Right. So I'm curious to see what he what he did, what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, he uh, he didn't do that, or I don't know what he. Or I shouldn't say that. I don't know what he did. Uh, His public he,
0: comments indicate that perhaps he didn't. Perhaps he
1: didn't. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, from what I yeah. understand, Arteta's is not a guy who's going to. He's he's too outwardly emotional. Like I don't think he could privately rip the team apart and then publicly say, "I love my players. I love that. I love them." Like right, I don't think he's that exactly, kind of guy. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think he could hide that emotion. I don't. I think not that he would lie. Just I don't. I, we would know that he couldn't. He couldn't not yeah. show that. <laughs> um. So I do think, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting question how you deal with it. But right, they were very poor, especially later in the first half, and then they came out in the second half, and you expect a better performance. And then with like two minutes, Aaron Ramsdale has to make a pretty good save to prevent it from being one mm-hmm. nil. Uh, and yeah, they beat us on a corner and and frankly, that was Tarkowski just out Martin Odegaard. That's, that's all that was.
0: Yeah. 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 I guess so. Yeah. That's all it came down to there. But, uh, but yeah, so, so getting back to the original question you'd asked of my sense of all the teams in the league, um, I think we may need to wait till the End of the season before I really answer that. I think okay. I'm still getting my bearings. You know, it's like once we've played a team a couple times, I'm starting to get a sense of where they fit in. Mm-hmm. And who knows? it Maybe that we need to talk about at the end of the next season. Yeah, <laughs> you give a lot some, of teams. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to assimilate. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I guess it's kind of curious. i Actually, I should
1: ask you this: Have you have you you've have you been to to Britain to the UK? I think you have. No, no, I have not okay. actually. No. So I mean I think part of that also I love is, to sometime yeah I think part of that also is you know you these teams represent these towns and these cities these cities really and so you know that plays a lot into their their sense of identity and who they are and you know I, I'm okay, not going to pretend yeah. to have I'm not going to pretend to have any deep intimate knowledge of, of Britain the only I mean the only place I spent substantial time was London but I'm familiar with some of these other places you know, at least by reputation and sort of what they mean. And I followed the league for a number of years now. So I, you know, you, you start to develop certain feelings about playing certain teams. Like we talked about with United and how much I enjoyed winning yeah. that game. But you you develop that sort of thing <laughs> over time.
0: Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I don't really have a good answer yet. something I'll have to continue to formulate, uh, still, still processing all that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, just, uh, getting to the nuts and bolts of the match. Um, one thing that I noticed, uh, we talked about last week, I, Manchester City's stadium was the first where I noticed the tension posts that keep the back of the net from caving in they had three of them instead of only two that i'd noticed before and they were color coordinated with their jerseys which everton also had they had their darker blue and they had three posts instead of two so i'll continue to (laughs) to take note of that Um, i mean i would noticed that that those were used in the first place because i'd never seen that style of net outside of professional play all the nets that i would ever played in the sides of the nets had a middle to them instead of just being like an open shape. It was the net itself that, or the frame, I guess itself that was holding hmm. the net up. So, um, yeah, but anyways, so that was, uh, that was the first thing, but, uh, we had talked, I forget which match it was in, but there was a match at least a, a couple of weeks ago where, uh, Odegaard had fallen while trying to move the ball and landed on top of it. And I I was remarking on how impressed I was that he managed to keep possession of the ball while it was underneath him. And he was down on his knees and then he got upright and maintained possession the whole time. And he had a similar type of struggle very early on in the first 10 minutes of, of the match in this one where he again was like, kind of being pushed all over, managed to hold on to it and then ended up getting knocked over and getting a free kick. And his shoe had come off. Like somehow uh, the other player who was defending against him and like stepped on the shoelaces. I don't know what happened, but he ended up with with a missing shoe. And we had someone else who had to do a throw in from Arsenal, uh, like while the shoe was still off, delayed a little bit to give him some time to put it back on. But that's one of those things you don't, you don't see too often. (laughs)
1: No, but it does. It does or speak to I his. <laughs> it does speak to his his con- ability to control. he's just he's just so good keeping control of the ball, yeah. which is I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you get a sense of how hard that is. Right. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Absolutely. How many other people can't do that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny. So this was not my first time seeing Everton's keeper, uh, Jordan Pickford, who was the English national team's keeper. And what was, what was kind of funny. I don't know if we really talked about England's matches much when we were in, in world cup time, but, um, it was kind of funny. Cause so Ramsdale was their second string keeper and I don't think he saw any game time in the world cup. Did he? Uh, no, which isn't unusual for yeah.
1: a backup keeper. That's right. I mean, especially, especially in a short tournament, like the world cup. Um you're rarely going right. to be in a position where you can afford to run out the back out it's just it just doesn't happen so sure
0: but yeah, so so yeah, so that's that's fine. I guess the reason I'm bringing it up though is it was it was kind of funny when I was seeing Pickford in the World Cup, and I didn't really necessarily get the sense as much in this match from from this week. But in the World Cup, uh, seeing him in the way that he was yelling at all the the defenders around him over and over again, it was like, oh, well, who needs Ramsdale when you've got Pickford? They seem like very similar temperaments and personality types in in the keeper box. So, yeah. So
1: yeah, <laughs> and that's a very that's a very sort of I, I I that strikes me as sort of a very English thing. That's kind of what the English expect out mm-hmm. of their keepers. They like that kind of fiery, um, you know, outward, outspoken. And in some ways you need the keeper to be that, since the keeper's in charge of the box and in charge of the defense. So you need a guy who will really take control of his defense. And I mean, the the big knock against Pickford is that he has short arms
0: hmm okay now
1: now we say that we say we mean short arms for a keeper like his arms are longer than yours and mine i'm sure but like you know the uh, that's sort of in the knock on him is that he's just a little he's just a little bit smaller and so obviously it's going to make it difficult but i i mean um uh gareth southgate the england manager obviously trusts him there's certainly plenty of arsenal fans who are thinking really ramsdale should have started ahead of pickford i mean maybe that's true although i don't think pickford is the reason england went out i actually think it played really well right. against France. Yeah. And so they probably shouldn't have at that mm-hmm. point, but that's, and that wasn't Pickford's fault, but uh, you know, I, there's a certain pride attached to having England's number one. And, and for Everton, who, let's be honest, doesn't have a lot to cheer about as of late, you know, having England's number one is not bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, you know, I made notes of different things that happened throughout the match. I think ultimately much of it wasn't really material. Um, it was just a, a bunch of blown chances on our part. There there were some obvious opportunities that were blown. And I think we weren't really scared enough when they came as close as they did over and over again. And even though we dwarfed them in possession, they, they made their possessions count more of it. I, I didn't see the final stats on attempts, but I have to imagine it seems like they made more attempts or at least more attempts on goal than we did. I think it felt like it. Yeah, right? I
1: don't remember. Yeah, gosh, I don't remember. I am trying to remember. Yeah, I do remember seeing the stat that yeah, we could as you mentioned we control possession, but yeah, I, di- I didn't uh, I'm I'm looking at the stats controlled now. We control possession
0: really really strongly, like 75-25, yeah. like somewhere in that ballpark where it was, Yeah, it was so not so not I'm just close. this this is so I'm just pull, this
1: is the Premier League's page. Their stats said uh 70 is 70 uh, 70.5 to 29.5. So 70-30 possession, but we outshot them 15-12, right. but shots on target was 4-3 to Everton. So we had a lot of shots that just, right. I mean, we had some, you know, I i think part of it was also, we mentioned before, like just being able to take your chances. Like we had mm-hmm. instances where we had a few good chances. Bukayo Saka had an absurd shot that, you know, Connor Cody got back and cleared it off the line. Yes. Uh, a couple of times, Enkedia yep. was set up for one. Odegaard was set up for another. And they just blasted the ball into the second deck. And, you know, it's right. That's kind of when you see those things happen, you sort of, and you watch the way Everton's able to get forward and get into position and get off good shots. That's the part of the time where you're like, this doesn't feel like our day.
0: Right. (laughs)
1: This doesn't feel (laughs) like it's going very well.
0: No, no, didn't, didn't get that feeling. Definitely. And yeah, that, that one soccer shot really was the, the, the key one that I felt like we, would have gotten if yeah, if that defender were in the way he caught the side of the goal, the keeper was not in. And yeah, it was a good defensive play from, from Cody
1: real quickly about the soccer thing. You know, that that's one of the benefits of having a player like soccer that you can have a game where you are frankly, not very good. And we didn't play very well. Everton played very well defensively. They played us a lot like the way Newcastle played. You saw them. They were able to double team us on the wing. They jammed the midfield and they double team soccer and Martinelli out in the wings. And they, Goodison is a smaller field, so we didn't have as much space to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, with with all of that, um, you know, it, if Everton doesn't get their goal, we to have a player like soccer who in what is essentially a moment of brilliance, could theoretically slot in a goal, and and we could win a game that we don't deserve. So, You know, there's a there's a, a positive angle to that too. It just didn't work out this time.
0: Right. Yeah, one thing that occurred to me to ask you also. So you mentioned earlier how Sean Dyche is known for having good, good turnout in corner kicks. Um, is it just me or does it seem like Arsenal does not very often capitalize on corner kicks?
1: Uh, so At that's
0: least in, our... in this season.
1: That's been our reputation for years, actually, for the most part of the season we've actually- we'd actually done really well on set pieces, including corners mm. and and I was thinking about that, I'm glad you mentioned that I think like I feel like the last couple of games we haven't been very good at that we did not take corners very well today in in this game, not today, but in this game I did not like yeah. our corners were not very good and and everton everton got some really good chances off of theirs now again, could it be us having a bad day? Maybe, but I have felt like we've been running into that a little more often where the the corners keep coming up short, like they don't. It just doesn't yeah. seem like we're getting getting good balls in. So I, I, I think you're I think yeah, you're I mean, lying. I
0: remember all the way, all the way back in the beginning of the season when we were talking about the earlier matches. And I remember there'd be Martinelli shots that would be an inward swing and they would just go into the goal. Like, I feel like early in the season, we maybe had had better, better luck with them. But I feel like it's been a long time since we really capitalized on a corner kick.
1: It, it it does feel that way, and I'm sure you know there'd be plenty of people who could immediately point in a game that we totally that we're totally forgetting about. But I I I, I feel like that's right. I feel like our set pieces have have we it hasn't been a strength for us in the way that it was, yeah, you know, earlier in the season. And, and who knows? It could just be teams figuring out what we do. It could just be a bad run of form. But yeah, it's it's an interesting i it's, it's an right. observation I tend to agree with.
0: Yeah. So, so something else that I noticed toward the end of the match, I forget exactly what minute it was within 10 minutes of the, of the 90 minute Mark, you know, at least 80 minutes in, I started noticing a whole bunch of personnel in bright yellow ponchos. It looked like, and they were security personnel for Goodison park. I think I first noticed it because a ball had gone out of touch and it was one of them who handed it to an arsenal player to, to throw back in. Um, but you saw them very tightly spaced, like, you know, maybe 10 yards or less apart from each other all around the entire perimeter of the field. Is that something that has happened in other stadiums and I haven't noticed it before? Or is this because of the incident with Ramford Reese or uh, Ramford? I, <laughs> I, combined, I combined the two English keepers <laughs> into one person. Ramford, would, Ramford does sound like a good English <laughs> keeper name, though, huh? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> I'll make a custom jersey with that with that name and number one. Um, yeah, so with Ramsdale, with that that fan attack that happened uh, in recent memory, um, is this a response to that, or does Goodison Park have a reputation for fans <laughs> rushing the field or something? Do you have any thoughts um, on that? I
1: I don't know. I mean, so the, the fluorescent jackets those are police. The fluorescent jackets
0: that they're oh, wearing. so they're not just um, they're not stadium personnel. They are no, those police, are those Liverpool are police. police um, okay
1: i you know you you'll see them they're they're generally at a lot of games um i i can't say i really noticed in particular like a big line of them as you're mentioning i'm not saying it wasn't there it just didn't stand out to me i mean you see them wandering around all the time a lot of times you'll see you can you can always tell what the visiting fans are because there's usually a line of fluorescent yellow or orange jackets between two sections and that's where the away fans are sitting um yeah <laughs> there's a little bit of that um I I suspect it. might I wonder also just given where we are. Not so much that like the fans are crazier at Goodison, but if you notice how close they all were to the field, and so I wonder if that sort of makes it a little like if you look at Arsenal, like hmm. there there there's definitely a, some distance between the stands and the the field, right? And so the I wonder buffer zone or even. Yeah
0: yeah like I, I touching touching on that actually that's something else that i've noticed at some of the bigger stadiums like at manchester cities where you you have this whole gulf between kind of the first ad board like those ad screens yeah. that are showing the whole time and then there's a second one further back that's something that's actually really cool is what they synchronize those uh, from the perspective of the tv camera it looks like one continuous screen but then oh yes it's broken oh, when yes. you see people standing in between them <laughs> but yeah that's I, I that's a that's a good point that you're talking about you yeah, maybe they it is just that you don't have that, that extra buffer. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's part of
1: it. I mean, you know, good Goodison is an old park. They are trying to replace it. They are trying to build a new one. Um hmm. so so yeah, I, I wonder if that's part of it as well. Hmm. But I admit not but I admit it did not stand out to me particularly. I a lot of times you'll see towards the end of games, you'll see police presence um to, to make sure and you'll see it, you'll see it at the emirates too where just to make sure that players are or that fans are staying where they're supposed to be you know they're not going on to the you know nobody's running right. go on the because in the after aftermath of the game is when things get a little chaotic all the, everybody goes on to the all the players go on to the field coaches you know all the staff goes onto to the field there's press all over the place, and so it would be an easier kind of thing to sort of sneak on um mm-hmm. you know in especially in a tight space like that.
0: Right, all right, so uh, so any final thoughts on this match? um, most of them surround uh one of
1: everton's substitutes, Neil Maupay. who uh, oh,
0: yeah, let's yeah. talk about him, yeah, so in, in,
1: I, I to quote one arsenal one arsenal blog I read in the after the game, I hope Neil Maupay steps on a Lego every day for the rest of his life.
0: <laughs> he is in.
1: He is an extremely annoying player we he actually the first time I remember seeing seeing a ball with him he was with Brighton uh and I think it was our second game at, in the covid restart so we're playing this we playing in june because they obviously they stopped for covid and then in june they came back to finish the season i think it was our second game in he, uh this was Bern Leno was our keeper went up for a ball and and uh Maupay undercuts him like basically steps hmm. underneath him while he's jumping in the air, he falls to the ground and hurts himself. I think it was I don't know his arm or his leg. He falls awkwardly and essentially hmm. ends up being out for the season. Um, oh wow, yeah. Or the rest they ended up being out. Well, most of the rest of the season, yeah. And uh, that's that's that was the the rise of Emmy Martinez, Argentina's number one. Uh, it was a oh, was an okay. Arsenal Academy kid and was our backup. And everyone's kind of like, Oh, I guess Emmy's okay. He comes in actually backstop backstop us to the FA cup. So good, good for him. Yeah. Then, huh. then we sold him to Aston Villa <laughs> and now he's won a world cup with Argentina. So it all worked out for him at the end, but yeah, and so, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I, which, which those kind of backing in, you see it happen now and again, it's a dirty play like that. That is a dirty play. And he backs it. Like you can see it. He clearly made an effort to it. So he's, he's already on a few arsenal fans lists. And then, uh, there were two instance in incidents today. I, I know I know you're familiar yeah. with the second one involving Zinchenko at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, and yeah. right that one it was more clear to me what happened. I think they showed a replay of it. There, there was an earlier incident with Jaka, right?
1: Well, no, as I saw, I believe it was with Gabriel. Um, oh, it was okay. actually took pl- it took place in the in the at sort of the just inside the Everton box. Uh, Gabriel seemed to take out an Everton player, and so they called a foul. But then you watch the replay. Gabriel is pushed, and as he fall and he fall by Maupay, falls on the ground and rolls into the Everton player. So really, a bit, but since that all took place in the box, Arsenal is looking at that going, um, that's a penalty,
0: right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so of yeah, course it was Now, yeah. There
1: was there was somewhere I didn't remember if it was Mappé was doing it, but there was an instance where and and you know this is one where a young team we were clearly frustrated. Everton is time wasting and they suckered us into all kinds of things. And you can't bite on that stuff, but we did. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody in there, a couple guys got into a bit of a shoving match. And then you see Xhaka is the one pulling, pulling a, an Everton player away. And the ref is coming over to him and like pointing at them, like wants to say something. And Xhaka has got his arm around the Everton guy going, no, 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 it's fine. No, 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 it's fine. We're just talking.
0: Yeah, He gives the thumbs up, right? <laughs> yeah. <he's>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the,
1: the maturation of Granit Jacca <laughs> continues to amaze in me. Um
0: Yeah, I, I LOL'd at that one. That um, that's when, when I saw the thumbs yes. up.
1: <laughs> that that is hilarious. Uh but yeah, so you see stuff like that. Um and then of course I know there we I know we will there's the then the second incident, which you uh, what how how did you see what happened there with um uh with, with Zinchenko?
0: It only became clear in in the replay. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but yeah, no, I remember that <laughs> Sinchenko is not happy, and, and for good reason. Um, I yeah, I don't I don't remember the details. Remind me.
1: Uh, so basically, there was there it would they caught on camera first because so much would happen off camera. This was about the 90th minute, so near the, near the end of regular time they sort of zoomed in on it and you saw Zinchenko like standing over Mope like pointing like right in his face like screaming at him um
0: and oh, you saw right. the book and getting he, up. yeah so, so yeah. you're you're reminding me now so it, it was basically a dive right like Zinchenko had barely touched him and he went flying onto the ground and then was basically like laughing about it afterwards no it wasn't got so worked up or something right (laughs) no what he what he does and they show this on
1: it's hard to see in a replay because they didn't have like a big camera angle but it looks like is behind him wraps his arm around zinchenko and starts pulling him to the ground and then flails his arms out like he was the one who was fouled so it was right he's like i so in that sense i understand zinchenko who is a fiery guy i mean he's a he is a very emotional player um I can understand him being frustrated by that. You know, they're like, what are you doing? You know, that was, that was wrong. And of course the referee didn't see it and didn't look like anybody really saw it. And so they ended up just giving yellows to both of them. Um Right. But yeah, again, go step on a Lego. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pleased we've managed to mention Legos in two consecutive episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So stay, yeah, stay tuned yeah.
1: if the if the streak continues next week.
0: <laughs> I, I suppose my closing thought on this match was: well, if if we had to give points to someone else, at least it's someone else who's very far away from us, far enough away to not be a likely threat in the table. Yeah,
1: I, I guess the right? the only thing that makes me really feel better about all of this is the fact that City lost, and that we're pretty much still we're still five points up on them i you know i, I don't right. like you don't like losing of course but we, we weren't we weren't gonna go what was it uh you know it, what is it 15 two and one or whatever again we weren't gonna do that in the second half i don't think so mm-hmm. we're gonna drop a game here or there yeah yeah you're right we didn't lose to newcastle or united or, or city we lost to we lost to somebody who was not really gonna threaten us and not even close to threatening us So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I never like losing, but in the end, because our closest competitor City lost, although United won and they're not they're they're very much they're very much in this race, uh, which is annoying. But Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so we'll see. We'll see how that play, how that plays out. But um, yeah, I yeah, it's on to Brentford.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, So as far as my long list of questions going into starting this show with you i am happy to announce that we have basically reached the end of at least all the the simple questions um there's only really one or two larger discussion questions which we're not going to have time to, to get through this week cuz we had a lot to say about this match but um yeah we're we're done with my list so that was good um Uh, One thing to tell you about that was kind of fun is, uh, you know, so so listeners may remember I I live in upstate New York. I'm I'm, depending on how I get there. I'm between an hour and a half and two hours away from New York City. So I I commute there sometimes for work, but I don't I don't tend to go there um, for for personal time uh much of a time but i had occasion to go into a city with my son it was our first time there and we were visiting times square and i thought there was a store of a pele soccer store so that was that was kind of cool we i just went in to see what they had they did have a selection of uh premier league uh apparel which they didn't have the exact arsenal jersey that i've been trying to get and it's been out of stock since leading into christmas but uh yeah, that was a that was a pretty cool place and definitely where I will go the next time I need a pair of soccer cleats or uh, indoor soccer shoes or any kind of soccer footwear. Uh, they had a wall full of it, like a whole finish lines worth of shoes that were all for soccer. So, <laughs> yep, I know where I'm headed. Um, oh, well, and about to say you, you don't get your Martinelli jersey this
1: year. He did just sign a new contract. So you have plenty more years to, to get it, nice. to get a shot at it, get a shot at a shirt. So he got a pen and we're good to go. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still really want to get a jersey from this season, though. Like this is the season when I started following the team. I will always have affection for this particular configuration. I know there'll be some variation that won't be the same. And I may like it, I may not like it, but I want this one. <laughs> so we'll yeah. see how it goes. It it has
1: to this point been a, a fun season. This is a very likable team overall. Um and yeah, the you know, you wa it like you wa if you watch long enough you you know you uh, you'll start to know even teams you know there are even seasons with teams where like even the players are the same but just something about the season just makes you go oh I have to watch these guys again oh they're just kind of a pain <laughs> to walk through to watch sometimes even though it's some of the same players just something's not working and so yeah this has been a yeah. this has been a fun it's been a fun one so far it's still crazy that we're in we're in early february we're halfway through like it's there's still just so much left in the season so uh,
0: right yikes now ordinarily though if it weren't for world cup in december we would be further along by now right uh yeah we'd be a little bit ahead of where we are um we
1: would, we would have hit, uh, the halfway point somewhere right around Christmas. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay. we, we would definitely be a little bit further into the second half.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good talk. Uh, what's, uh, what's coming up next week? Uh, especially on my birthday on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> ah, and a happy birthday to you uh,
1: as Arsenal will take <laughs>
0: on Brentford.
1: Uh, it's a home okay. uh, home back home at the Emirates against Brentford. Um, it'll be very curious to see, as we mentioned before, like the, with the three games coming up in the, in the week with we Brentford. And then of course, city uh, how Arsenal plans to, to handle this, this one. I suspect, um, Oh, well, I don't want to make any suspic- suspicions. I don't really know. I'd be very curious to see how they handle it. <laughs> um, you know, Brentford is Brentford is is not a bad team. They can be very dangerous, but playing at home, I feel I feel much more confidence. So that's that's what's coming up.
0: All right, great. Looking forward to it. So thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you want to listen the night we record, you can become a Gooner U superfan on Apple Podcasts to download a raw, unedited recording right away. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. And with me, as always, is Keith. You can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Goodbye, Keith. Goodbye, Dove. Until next time.